Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves. Do you want to know how to better study God's Word? Then participate in one of our free online workshops or join one of our online Bible studies. There's tons of times and options to choose from. Head to our website to register now at www.preceptministries.ca. On our website, you can also get connected to our social media pages and join our email list to stay updated on the many things God is doing through Preset Ministries. We want to hear from you. If you have been impacted by these podcasts, then we want to know. Email us your testimonies to info at preceptministries.ca. We can't wait to hear about how God is working in your life. Now, stay tuned for Unlocking the Truth, a study on the book of 2 Peter. Hello everyone, it's Mark Sheldrake here, and this is another episode of Unlocking the Truth podcast. Glad that you are back with us. We're working through 2 Peter. Exciting times. Uh, Last episode, we left you uh, a little bit way through chapter 2. This week, we're going to finish out our points on false teachers Hope and pray that you are uh, learning a lot and that you are studying the passages and the scriptures on your own observation, interpretation, application. Before we get started, I want to encourage you, uh, as you're listening, to get involved in a precept training workshop. Um, We have workshops for people who are brand new to precept called Essentials of Inductive Bible Study. Uh, It's a study of the first chapter of 1 Thessalonians. A great challenging uh, workshop. And then we also have other workshops like how to study New Testament letter, which is vital for Second Peter. Then we have uh, Old Testament history, Old Testament prophecy. And any one of those workshops is going to teach you the skills of how to get involved in uh, Bible study using the tools with Precept Ministries. Also want to encourage you about checking out online classes. That's another great opportunity to get involved in a daily Uh, homework Bible study and get engaged with others across the country studying the scripture together. All this can be found at preceptministries.ca. Enough of the announcements. Folks, let's dig in, let's pray, and let's get started. Father, we do thank you for the time that you have given us to come uh, into uh, this book of 2 Peter. Father, I pray as we walk through Uh, The last section of this chapter, looking at false teachers again, I pray that uh, we as Christians would be well aware of the truth of your word, uh, the the knowledge that we have that we can easily understand your scriptures when when we observe and we interpret and we apply. Father, we thank you for the tool of inductive Bible study that Precept Ministries uh, has been teaching for over 50 years. We thank you for Jack and Kay Arthur and their faithfulness to to uh, begin to walk in, in building this ministry. Father, thank you for the 180 plus countries that Precept is now in and over 90 different languages. Lord, what a blessing it is to have an impact around the world with your word. And we know uh, desperately, Lord, that uh, your word is needed in the, in the days that we are living. So we give you this time now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I have to tell you, um, when we were growing up, we we didn't have uh, a lot of super technology. I mean, my kids are way ahead in the technology world than than I was even at their age. Uh, we bought my our house, my family. We bought our first computer, and we bought it off of uh, my girlfriend at the time, which is now my wife, and their family. Oh, they had they had the old Macintosh computer that was super cool, and then they had uh, another uh, PC computer, and we had purchased this PC computer from them, and to to the amazement, it had the ability to do dial-up internet. It was absolutely amazing, and so I think we bought that computer. And I could be wrong, but I think we might have bought it for like $200. And it was massive. And we had it in our house. And 
we were allowed, I, I know that I either started to pay for that myself, I was working at a young age, or my parents were paying for it, but we had the internet. But the internet, and, and this is, you know, if, if there's people, young people listening to this podcast right now, uh, these were the days when you would try to call somebody's house and the phone was busy because they were on the internet. And uh, you didn't spend the time you had on the internet now uh, because the pricing was all different, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so we were excited to get the internet. It became the age of information. The age in which at the, at the little clip of a hands and tapping of the keyboard, I could search into Netscape. Oh, anybody remember Netscape? I would search in Netscape and I would be able to look up anything I wanted. The first search I ever did was David Hasselhoff and the Knight Rider. I wanted to look up everything I could possibly learn about the Knight Rider. You would type it in and then you would wait and you would wait and you would wait and slowly the, the pixelated image would become more clear and right on your computer you had a picture of the Knight Rider car kit. Oh man, I dreamed about buying that car when I was old enough. If I was ever rich enough, it's never going to happen. But uh, so cool to have the internet at the tip of your fingers. Information right there. Well, the internet's come uh, quite a long way. This whole, I remember a pastor I had, uh, the senior pastor that was over me. Every week in his beginning of his sermon, he would talk about what he found on the internet. It was that big, people. Can you remember that? That it was that big that you'd find something that great on he started sharing all kinds of stories and internet things. It was amazing. But it was the age of information, really. You know, I'm not sure the, the title there. I'm, that's what I'll call it, the age of information. And then as the internet grew and grew and grew, it, it started to move from, you know, the, you know, the history. I'm not going to get into all the details. And now I remember uh, a number of years ago when I was pastoring in my church, uh, I, I got a Palm Pilot. Oh, man, that was a handheld device with eight megabytes of memory, and the eight bytes of megabytes of memory in my Palm Pilot was more memory than my entire computer had. I mean, I went to university, and I started typing on typewriters to do all my papers. This was amazing stuff. But then, all of a sudden, the Internet was at the... I could carry it with me. I could have it with me, and then now it's on the phone. Now, the things have changed so much that we don't even really use a cell phone for a phone. We use it for the Internet. But as the Internet grew, so also have we really moved into the culture right now, which is more of an age of disinformation than it is for information. Because when you get out onto the Internet, there's a lot of stuff that you can find that is either pro what you're looking at or con what you're looking at. We, we could definitely see that within even what we, we might watch on television, but there's certainly, if someone were, to send, someone were to send me an article, one of the biggest discussions right now in the world is the COVID-19 vaccine. Should I or shouldn't I? Well, what's in it? What's going on? So all these people are writing all of these different articles and all this information regarding the vaccines. So whether you should do it, whether you shouldn't. And the thing is, for every article that you find for someone that says you should take it, you'll find an article that is one that is the reason you shouldn't take it. And so this is the whole, how do you know, how do you decipher in the midst of all of what's going on in this age of well, information at the tip of your fingers, but at the same time, there's so much disinformation out there that it's not clear really what becomes the truth anymore. In conversation with some of my friends in the United States, I asked them, well, what, what news networks do you watch when you're trying to determine? And this is when President Trump was involved. What, who do you watch to make sure 
that you know you're getting truth. And they, they said, we don't watch any of it. Because each time it is slanted one way or another. It's very interesting that when we're looking at the false teachers that are in the time of Second uh, Peter and Peter's ministry, this, this is the, the exact same thing without dial-up or uh, high speed. It, the difference is it's people directly in connection that both have truth and have untruth. So we're picking up where we were with the false teachers. And we're looking at these false teachers, and we, we covered two points in the previous episode. And I pray, I hope that uh, came through um, clearly, you know, as as a first kind of time back after suffering through COVID. But uh, I'm praying that the Lord and the Spirit um, was working. But let me give you these points again really quickly. And these two points uh, are first that uh, at the beginning, false teachers are deceptive in their infiltration. Uh, Jude said that they creep in unnoticed and share in, their, in the love feasts. Then we see that they're, they're not walking in with a name tag that says, hello, I'm a false teacher, or a special outfit. They, they look like us, they walk like us, they talk like us. But, but at, the, at the center of it, uh, what's in their heart and what's coming out of their heart has a solely different purpose than that one who is sharing the truth of the gospel. The second thing we looked at last week was that these false teachers, they are doomed by their sin. So in previous weeks, we looked at the fact that we can be assured of God's word. And last, week we, last time we looked at the very fact that we can be assured that God is going to judge the unrighteous. That's the whole point of this. There's, there's a warning about these false teachers and how they act, but it's really pointing out their unrighteousness and the fact that they are going to be judged for their sin. So point number one, they're deceptive in their infiltration. Point number two, they're doomed by their sin. And point number three, which brings us really to the two points that we're going to cover this week, the first is that they are proud of their uh, impurity. Okay, so they are proud of their impurity. So let's uh, pick up, okay, so we're going to pick up at verse 10, uh, and we'll, we'll just probably backtrack slightly, because we had all these examples of the Old Testament uh, people like Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah and Noah and Abraham. And so we're going to uh, pass through those examples that were given, and we're going to pick up just at, uh, at verse 9. And it says, uh, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment, especially those who indulge in the flesh in its corrupt desires and despise authority. They're daring, they're self-willed, they do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties. Whereas angels who are greater in might and in power do not bring a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. All right, so but, verse 12, these like unreasoning animals born as creature of instinct to be captured and killed, reviling uh, where they have no knowledge, uh, will in the destruction of those creatures also be destroyed. Suffering wrong as the wages of doing wrong, they count it a pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are stains and blemishes, reviling, and their deception as they carouse with you, having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin, enticing the unstable souls, having a heart trained in greed. They are accursed children." Uh, forsaking the right, they have gone astray. So I'm going to stop right there because that's just halfway through verse 15, but there's a lot happening in these verses. So we go back to verse 10, and what we were doing in the last episode is we were writing a list on the things that we were seeing about these false teachers or these false prophets. They're among the people. 
they introduce secretly destruct, destructive heresies. They deny the master who brought them, and uh, they bring judgment upon themselves. They follow sensuality because uh, they malign the way of the truth. They're, in their greed, they exploit with false words. And then finally, their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. That's a lot of information that we learn just in those first three verses about these false teachers. But then we learn more. All right, so in verse 10, it tells us that these false teachers indulge the flesh, uh, the corrupt desire, their corrupt desires, and they despise authority. Now, this is this is amazing, all right, because we, we see that they're, they're kind of looking in my favorite passage, that Ephesians chapter 2 passage with the but God, the previous, before you were saved, you were living in the flesh, you were through the power of the prince of the air, you were living a life after your own desires and not those of Christ. But when, you, but when God came and you you yourself died in Christ. You no longer live for your own fleshly desires, but you live for the will and the glory of God. And so the exact opposite is these people. These people are coming into the church, and they are coming in secretly. They look like you. They dress like you. They even act like you when you are together. Their heart is different. Their words may not fully be the same. And sometimes these people may not come with the, the, the pounding of the drum. But like we said previous, they'll come with, can we have a conversation? Did God really say that? And so we see that all of this is coming out of a desire to fulfill what their own flesh and their own desire is, that which is opposite of fulfilling the word and the will of God. So now, it also says that they are very daring. It says that they are self-willed. They do not tremble uh, when they revile angelic majesties. Do you, do you know, when you, when you look at this, I, I can remember back into, into uh, my high school years, and uh, I wasn't really the guy that would do do dares I wasn't that guy that wouldn't think through thing I, I would be the guy that would think through it I wouldn't be the guy that wouldn't think you know like if somebody said hey why don't you jump in the basket of that grocery cart and what I'm going to do is I'm going to run as fast as I can pushing that cart and what we're going to do is I'm going to let it hit the curb and we're all going to see what happens okay well me in my life, I'd be standing back going, I need to evaluate this for a minute. Let me just look at what the end result would be. I was all, I'm always a visionary person, so I'm always looking ahead. I can kind of close my eyes and see, well, when that cart hits the curb, it's going to tip up and I'm going to fly out. And the result might be broken arm, broken neck. Uh, the results aren't good. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to participate in that it's like these false teachers they they just it's not like they don't know what they're doing they do know what they're doing they know the purpose for what they're doing and they do it outright openly i know it says secretly in the beginning that's how they get in there okay so that's how they get in to be in your presence so that they can begin to act in the way that they want which is after their own flesh and they're very arrogant and cocky and prideful about it. They may present themselves as humble people that just want the best for the church or for the people, but, but in their heart, they're so daring. They're seeing what they can do. What can I get away with? How far can I go? And they get a rush off that. They're self-willed. They're driven by their own desires. And, and they do not tremble. They're not afraid. They're not afraid at the discussion of any judgment that comes. Why? Because they don't believe it will. 
We'll see that when we come into the next chapter. I thought you said Jesus was coming back. He was going to return. Well, where is he? He's not a promise keeper. He's not coming back. These these are the the daring self-willed conversations that these people these people have. Verse eleven says, "Whereas angels who are greater in might and power uh, do not bring a reviling judgments against them before the Lord, but these false teachers." Verse twelve, like unreasoning animals, they are born as creatures of instinct uh, to be captured and killed, where they have no. Um, no knowledge will in the destruction of those creatures uh, be destroyed. So let's just look a little bit closer at this verse for a minute. And so uh, these people, these false teachers, have no sensitivity to the power and the presence of demons or holy animals. They're just so arrogant. They charge into... Uh, things without even really thinking about it. They're, they're cursing away, as John MacArthur says, cursing away at people and, and about matters they don't really understand. So these false teachers uh, will be, if we compare to judgment, we look at them as beasts, they will be caught. They will be judged and they will be destroyed for their behavior. Verse 13 says, Suffering wrongs as the wages of doing wrong, they counted a pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are stains and blemishes, reviling in their deceptions, and they carouse with you. Just the, the whole idea of a robber. You think about a robber for a moment. Our uh, my wife and I have we've had our car broken into a couple times, and uh, we normally find out about it when we wake up in the morning. Uh, one time we we woke up and we uh, in the old days we we went to put a CD in the car and, and the CD player was gone, and and everything was all over the place. Uh, this last time that the the car bro- got broken into. Um, the car, the car was a little messy with some with some garbage, but all the garbage was piled up on the seat, very clean. And I'm like, well, that wouldn't be one of us, because if we were doing that, we'd put it in a garbage bag and bring it in the house. But no, it was all there, and we realized that a lot of the loose change that one might have been in the cup holder was taken. So the so the car was broken into again at night. These things are happening after we've gone to sleep. These these corrupt behaviors are going on at night. Why? Because they don't want to get caught. You know, if the robber comes over in the middle of the daytime and uh, they begin to uh, rifle through the car, uh, they're going to get caught. Uh, My brother-in-law at one time caught a teenager trying to steal his car in the middle of the day. Uh, He's he's six-something, and he's over 250 pounds in and uh, that, that uh, young teenager who was trying to steal his car met his match that day. And my brother-in-law basically lifted him about three feet off the ground and said, you can just wait in this position until the police arrive. So robbers, that's how they work at night so they don't get caught. These false teachers, they're so daring, they're so arrogant, they just do it out in the open. They don't care. They're just blatantly going about their business and their own selfish desires in the midst of an open form in the day. They're not doing it in secret uh, at night or kind of going, uh, you know, around, around, you know, to one or two people. No, they're, they're wide out in the open. So they're doing this without the cover of darkness. And man, just to think about that. Like, how far your heart has to be gone to be able to do that right out in the open. And, and why? You know, why are they doing this? They're doing this because they're proud of it. 
they they love it. They're they're just following after their their corrupted heart, and their heart is speaking to them and telling them to just follow after what it is, like an like an addict who who just needs to get that next fix. That's the only focus that they have. They need to follow after that pleasure that they get out of that. That's what that's what these people are doing. Uh, uh, the second letter John wrote, I just want to look at Second uh, John verses 9 to 11 and, and listen to what John tells us uh, about this, this behavior. He says, anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both God and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. So just, it's just very interesting that kind of brings, bringing this all together. I want to take us to, to the book of Jude, the letter of Jude for a minute in verse 12, and then, and then kind of bring this all together. In verse 12, it says, uh, these are the men who are, hidden in, who are hidden reefs in your love feasts. When they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves, uh, they're like clouds with water, without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees, without fruits, doubly dead and uprooted. Uh, and waves of the sea casting up their own shame like foam, wandering stars from whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. Judgment. Judgment for these people. But see, what, what we've got here is because they are infiltrating into the church, they're coming in with uh, an outward approach that looks really good for you and I. But when they get in there and they start to begin to teach what they want from their own selfish desires and self-will. They're very daring about it. They do, they do it in the public forum, and they, they just want to draw uh, people away. They, they do this for their, own, for their own fulfillment. And John tells us, we, just, we, we need not associate with them. We just need not even shake their hand or get anywhere near them, and don't, don't give them the platform. You see, this is, this is kind of the, the, the age of social media, and this is what drives me crazy about Twitter, is because Twitter is the platform for it all. You, everybody can have the stage for a few minutes in 160 characters on Twitter. You get your platform, and you can put on your platform, you can put truth, and you can put untruth. This, this is where all the battle occurs. The battle doesn't even occur in a face-to-face -face format anymore. False teaching and false doctrine can come right through these platforms. And so, as believers, what do we have the choice? We have the choice to get rid of it altogether, not participate in it, don't welcome it in. Or we can try to figure out what is true and untrue. I did for three months, in the beginning of this year, I completely walked away from Twitter. I have never felt more free in my entire life and I'm not using this platform anymore to see the truth and the untruth going up against each other. Honestly, the only thing that brought me back onto Twitter in the last little little while was the fact that in our hometown, the great hockey father, Walter Gretzky, passed away. And I used to see Walter Gretzky every Monday morning when I went to play hockey with the pastors pre-COVID-19. Pre Would say hello to him, and one time... He uh, made fun of me because he tapped me on the shoulder and said, what, are you here to try out for the NHL on a Monday morning at 9 o'clock? And then he kept on walking. But I, I want to see what, what the world was saying about Walter Gretzky. And, and so I went back on there and, and just 
take, took a look and, and was encouraged by that. And then just a few short days after, back to, back to this battle between truth and untruth. It's the same when we're, we're in our churches. We, we need to not welcome this in. We need to, we need to be aware. So, so this is important. All right, so the, these, they're, they're proud. They are proud of what they're doing. They love it. They find great joy in leading people astray. They find great joy in getting rich off of the vulnerable people. And that brings us to the fourth point. The fourth point in which we're going to spend uh, the rest of our time. And, and this is that these false teachers are devastating in their impact. And so uh, we're going to take a look at um, starting at verse 17. And what he says is, uh, these false teachers are springs without water, mists driven by a storm for whom the black darkness has been reserved. So first and foremost, uh, the, the idea of the spring is uh, constantly running fresh water. And, and this here is they are a spring with nothing to offer. There's no water. There's no fruit. There's, there's nothing coming from their, from their mouth that is good. Uh, they are, again, another reference to reserved for the judgment. Verse 17. Uh, these, uh, sorry, verse 18, for speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error. So I want to look at this, this part of the verse first. All right, this is, this is kind of where the rubber meets the road for, for you as a listener and and if you're a precept Bible study leader and you're listening to this, you need to pay close attention to this because there's going to be great power in, in your ability to continue to serve through this ministry as a Bible study leader and make maximum impact for the kingdom of God. These false teachers, they're devastating in their impact. If you want to work it out, it's verses 18 to 22, right to the end. And here's what they do. Are you ready? Wait for it. Long pause false teachers don't go after people who are fully grounded in the word of God they don't go after people who know God's word who live out God's word and fully understand the truth of God's word false teachers usually don't go banging down the doors of people who are studying precept upon precept False teachers do prey on the vulnerable. They prey on those who are in moments of weakness. Here, here's, here's a couple of ways that false teachers can begin to attack and approach those who are vulnerable. One, they will exploit you who suffer in the areas of guilt, anxiety, in depression, if you have a broken marriage, are you, if you're lonely, if you're in absolute fear, think about where we're living right now in this world. How many people are living in fear over the COVID-19 virus? If you're living in fear, if you have a broken marriage, if you are lonely, let's see, maybe, maybe we can come up with about uh, 50 more examples of those who they'll come after. But they'll come after these people. These people, interestingly enough, I, I love the one commentary note. It said, they'll also, false teachers will also come after people who are simply tired of sin, are open to change, and want to do something about sin. Uh, Peter, Peter talks about it in, in verse 19. He says, it's promising them freedom when they themselves are slaves of corruption. 
For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. So, so you see, this is why we have to be fully aware of what we know in God's word. When, when we hear God's word spoken, when we hear it taught by somebody else, if, if we study, and this is the beauty of inductive Bible study, and I have said this a number of times on the podcast, I have said that when you hear false teaching, if you're a precept student, you should really have the antennas start to fly out from the top of your head, giving you uh, radar warnings and flashes and bangs telling you, that's not right. And then you take what you hear and you walk it back to the word of God. I hope and pray people do that with this podcast. That when you, when you hear something, take it back to the word of God and see it. If it's not right, email us. Be more than happy. You know, we're all walking this road together. But you see, when we know the word of God, we're not vulnerable to that attack. I'm not saying by any means that we're never not vulnerable to Satan's attacks. Okay? So there always is temptations. There's always things in our lives that we have weaknesses that we need to shore up. How do we shore that up? How do we plug that gap? By being in the word of God. Continually defeating sin. But save of the elementary principles of Scripture, the basics of the gospel, how is one saved? We're just a couple of weeks away from Easter. So how one is saved, how do we need to know this? How are we assured of our salvation? How do we know? Remember chapter 1 and what Peter is telling us. All of these things, if we are strong in the word of God, we don't have as much to worry about when it comes to false teaching, but we really need to remain alert and on guard. Don't get lazy. Don't fall asleep to the fact that the false teachers are among you. Be aware, be alert, flag the things that aren't true, and run. For those who are vulnerable... You see, these are the people that have gaps, whether it be gaps in their overall doctrine. It may be just a gap in their, their belief that God exists and God loves them. You can think about the, the, the hills and the valleys that, that David went through in, the, in what we see in the book of Psalms. But sometimes when we're in those lowest of valleys, that's when we begin to question the truth the most. And in those times, it's the perfect opportunity for a false teacher to swoop in and bring his teaching because it sounds so much better than what maybe the word says or sounds much easier than what the word says. But in the end, it leads to destruction. So precept leaders, if you're listening to this right now, can you see why your role is so vital as a Bible study leader? Can you see why it's so important that, important that we start this podcast by encouraging you to get into training, by getting into online classes? I am so thankful for all of the trainers, for all of the online class leaders that we have across Canada, for the Bible study leaders that are leading in their churches, because they're equipping you and preparing you and keeping you alert and keeping you grounded in the word of God. So that even though there may be vulnerabilities, instead of running to some new teaching, you run back and remember the promises of God. But that's what they do. They look for the weak. They look for those that are struggling with the mind. That's why the book of Philippians is so important. Learn to win that battle over the mind. But they'll go after you for that because you're an easy target. So the important thing to look at is don't be an easy target. Don't be one who is going to fall into the deception of these people because they don't have your interest in mind. They have theirs. That your following of them is not for you, but it's to feed their ego. That's huge. 
We need to know that. So, so who should we be looking for in teachers? We should be looking for, for those that we, we would follow after. First and foremost, let, let's, let's follow after Jesus. Let's follow after what the word of God teaches us and how to live and, and let that be the guiding light. And followed by that, look to those who live out the teachings of God's word that teach sound doctrine, that teach uh, in a way that, that you understand. You see, this is one of the beauties of this passage and, and, and these false teachers, and I've got written in my margin here, that these these false teachers, uh, they will come in a position of looking very scholarly. They'll present teachings to you and make them sound new, and they'll use really big words and words that you might not fully understand, but the purpose is they want to look smart. But in, in all of it, there's nothing smart coming out of them. One of the greatest compliments, a senior pastor and I, uh, we were in the same church pastoring. And one year, uh, it breaks my heart to think about it, but we did 17 funerals in one year. And, and the chairman of our deacons board at the time, he uh, was clearing some snow for his dog. Uh, he was a wonderful man. He, he took the snowblower out and cleared some snow and and then uh, got into his van to bring his van back into the garage, and he passed away. It was so sad. It was um, one of those times where um, it was find, hard to find the right things to say. He just loved the Lord. And, and I remember uh, sitting with the family before the funeral service, and, and all around, uh, us was probably 25 different people and we were just uh, I had a notepad and I was writing I'm, I mean I had a number of uh, different things I wanted to say about this man in in the service and and I was writing like crazy and we were just having we were laughing and we were joking and we were having a really good time and then we we got the best compliment we have ever had as far as pastors the family called us blue collar pastors and, and I thought about that, uh, and I said, what, what do you mean by blue-collar pastors? And he said, you don't speak down to us. You speak to us, and you authentically live your life in front of us. Isn't that interesting? He said, they said, you know, we're just, we're, we're not scholarly people. We... You know, we, we work in factory jobs. And we like that you teach this way because we can understand it. And I, and I thought to myself in that moment, I said, that will be my hope one day is that I'll continue to be what, what the Browns referred to as the blue-collar pastor that would teach in an understandable way with the purpose of not being a scholarly approach that wasn't understandable. There is a place for that, no doubt. But these false teachers were doing that and coming across as though they, they had authority and understanding far beyond anyone else, far beyond Peter, who walked with Jesus. They're devastating in their impact. And the reason is because the vulnerable, they follow after. They follow after these teachings because it's new, because it's progressive, because it makes them feel good, warms their heart. They don't talk about judgment. They don't talk about things that are uh, difficult. So because of this devastation, back to you precept leaders, it's vital for you it's vital for you to be consistently inviting people that you know are going through difficulties to participate in engaging in God's word together. Because all around us, we know people that are dealing with these difficulties. 
anxiety, depression, loneliness, guilt over sins and behaviors and actions, broken marriages, or somebody looking for hope. Somebody just tired of living in the sin that they're living in and they so desperately want to come out of it. We have the greatest tool in inductive Bible study. I believe that inductive Bible study is the cure for the soul. Ultimately, don't write me on this one, Jesus Christ is the answer. But you see, the beautiful thing of inductive Bible study is it makes God's word come alive. It gives people a passion and a desire to study God's word, have a hunger to keep studying, because they're seeing all these truths for themselves. So, so to end this this week, uh, let, me, let me bring you through the last few verses. All right, they promise freedom. Well, they can't promise freedom because they're enslaved to sin. They're not Christian. They never were a Christian. If they were a Christian, they'd be teaching with right mind and they'd be teaching truth. It says, For if they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, they're again entangled in them and overcome that the last state has become worse than the first. It would have been better for them to not have known the way of righteousness than having known it and turn away from the holy commandment handed over to them. Can you imagine that? Knowing the truth and the right path to take towards salvation the right path to eternal life and completely rejecting it, even though they know the truth, they completely walk away from it to fulfill their own pleasures and take others down with them. Peter says it would have been better if you did not know the way of the truth in the first place. Just follow after your own selfish desires, face the judgment of God, and there you go. But they know the truth. See, they came in secretly like they were one of you. And then they led everybody astray. So they know the way. They know the right path, but they choose not to take it. Peter ends this and he gives a couple of examples. He gives a couple of proverbs. He says, it happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its vomit and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. So these false teachers ultimately, you know what it is? They can be assured of judgment. Just like you and I can be assured of the promises of God's word when we, when we study them, we know that God will keep his promises because he is truth. These false teachers, by their actions and behaviors, they can be assured that they will be judged for their behavior. We don't need to judge them, but we need to make sure that we are more than prepared to know when we are giving a, being given a false truth. Right now, the world we live in is the age of disinformation. There are things even being taught and have been taught for a long time regarding the return of Jesus Christ as an example that are false. So the moment that we are preparing for, hoping for, waiting for, is even being proclaimed about falsely. The way of being saved is being taught incorrectly we have this emergent uh, church this progressive church this uh, watered down gospel that's being preached in churches all over the world know the truth be alert be on guard and get away from that false teaching from as far as you possibly can that's why i keep to keep encouraging you every single week to get into the word for yourself this podcast, even though it's called Unlocking the Truth, you can do that by getting into a Bible study, doing the work on your own. But it takes commitment. It takes a heart and a, a passion and a desire. And I hope that if you're listening to this whole thing up to about 49 minutes or so, so far, that you do have the desire to know God and live out his truth. So grab a study, do it with somebody else. Those of you who are precept leaders, 
Look for the vulnerable. Get them involved. Invite them to participate. If you're one of those people and you're listening today and and one of these words hit you right at home, anxious, depressed, living in guilt, broken marriage, lonely, or just simply tired of sin, let me encourage you to email us at info at preceptministries.ca. We would love to get the right study to you. We would love for you to to just dig into God's word for yourself. And we can help you with that. We have a great team here that can make sure that you get into the right book of the Bible because we don't want to just tell you, go read the book of John. We want to meet the need that you have so that you can overcome, whether it be anxiety or depression or loneliness, any of these things. We want to meet that need through the word of God. And I guarantee you, Precept has a tool to meet that need. Thanks for listening this week. Let's, let's again give our time to prayer. Father, we do pray that for each and every person that's listening right now, Lord, I ask you from the bottom of my heart that your Holy Spirit would work in the lives of those who are listening. Those who maybe have succumbed to false teachers. Maybe there are those who have been a part of a false teacher's ministry and they're still hurting from that. Maybe they're in the midst of it right now and they didn't realize it until they looked at some of the the characteristics here in 2 Peter chapter 2. But Lord, I pray for boldness and courage for every individual listening that if they need to get a Bible study, they need to get into the word that they, one, could find someone to do it with, two, they'd have courage to just reach out to us and admit the need for help in this way. That's what we're here for, Lord. You've built this ministry up in 180 countries and 90 plus languages for the purpose of discipling your people. So Father, let your spirit uh, work this week in the lives of our listeners. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Preset Ministries, head to our website at www.preceptministries.ca.